Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the July 21st Friday follow-up for Season 13, where we talked about Joshua Amos. Today, I'm joined by Bob and Janet. We've got a lot of listener questions, so let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. And uh, I want to welcome everybody that's in the YouTube chat uh, talking with us live. And uh, I know Janet has a lot of lot of uh, questions from listeners. Before we get into some of that stuff, uh, I just want to take a little time up front as this is all still new to us and and just to kind of talk a little bit about process. I know people have a ton of questions about that and we're learning learning as we go. So uh, I, I think I had mentioned last week, if not, it's a good time to talk about it now. Uh, the idea of like constantly doing breaking cases as like kind of the require requirement for the episodes um, is is much trickier than I thought it would be. Um, I'm learning a ton as we're doing this. So feel free. And, and you guys are sending tons of, like we're getting tons of submissions. A big part of what you guys are doing as far as helping out and contributing to is, is that you are finding cases that you're hearing about and then submitting them. The form is up on the website and you're submitting them through the website. Uh, Erica Cantor, who has, has been a part of our team for a long time. She was production manager on true crime binge is now assisting with me going through some of those and helping me contact people, but they don't need to be breaking right now. As you heard with Josh's case, you know, he went missing back in March, but it's still, re- it's still at, like there are still people actively searching for him. There was a, in that particular case, there was an active call to action, something that would needed to be done right now. That's why I got bumped right up to the front of the line to make sure that we got that episode out before Tuesday, which is the day we're recording this today, but they don't have to be breaking right now. Cause it's very, the, the, it's, it's, it's tough to do because there's a lot of you guys, you listeners, have really made me aware of things that I need to be paying closer attention to. Like, you know, do we want to do a breaking case of someone who really is maybe trying to flee an abusive relationship and they don't want to be found? Um, so there's there's a little more vetting that needs to go into those cases. So we're just going to keep going on with with active cases from, as we said, every state in the in the country. I actually have two more already in the can right now that are already recorded. Uh, that, that I'm, I'm excited to get out to you guys. And those are, there's not a, a real, there's not like an urgency to either one of them, but they are both still active cases that people are actively still, they're recent and people are still looking for these people. And then we'll still, if something comes up, break a good example last week, uh, or just a few days ago when we're recording this, most of you, I'm certain because I don't know, a thousand of you submitted the case of Carly Russell 
from Alabama. She was the that was a case where she had um, pulled over. There was a toddler wandering around on the highway, and she had called the the police and told them about it, and had gotten out to help take care of the kid, and then had called her family, and then one of her family members was on the phone and heard her scream, and then she disappeared. And the Mm. police get there three minutes later, and she's gone. It was a shocking case. It was a breaking case happening right now. And so I was kind of scrambling with that one, trying to figure out if I should put something up. In that case, it was it had tons of attention, right? So everybody knew about it. Becky, my wife, who doesn't follow any true crime, showed me her feed was full of it. It was on the national news. I saw it on our local news in in Michigan. They were talking about it. So there wasn't a real need for me to put the information out, but I decided, okay, well, I'm going to, I'll give this on, on Monday. If, the, if they're still looking for, her, I'll do a quick episode, not going to interview anybody. I'm just going to get on to get the, the word out. Thankfully, in that case, she showed, I don't think we have any details on it yet, but she did show up back at home. All we know is that she showed up. She was disoriented. They said they thought she was kind of in shock and but she was okay. And they took her to the hospital. But but I'm l- like learning things about how this process worked because of that. So I'm going to interrupt for just a second. We had a, a a question come up in the chat that I think is relevant to what you're talking about, and that's Lilius asks if you know she wrote into the theories email. Is that where you want? Is that where you want these things to go? You can do that, and I will get them. Uh, but now, if when you go to the website, there's a, there's a literally a button there that says submit a missing person's case. And that is a better way to do it because that sends there's like like four specific questions you can type into there, hit it, and and those submissions go to both me and Erica. Whereas if you just send an email, it will only come to me. Uh, and Erica's doing a lot of the legwork on that stuff. So it, it, you can send an email, but you're better off going to the website and just click the submit a missing person's case. It's a good question. Uh, but getting back to what I was talking about, then one thing that Erica and I have found by a ton of submissions that come in and searching missing person databases for states across the country is that a large percentage of the reported missing persons cases are teenage runaways, like a massive percentage, at least from what we're seeing, I would say 19 out of 20 cases that are submitted to us are a teenager that had left on their own mm-hmm. runaway cases, which which is, is a very complex situation, uh, which is, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to how to navigate that. I actually spoke with today uh, through messaging, but we're actually going to get on a phone call with Nina instead, who's uh, a podcaster that the podcast about missing persons cases here in Michigan um, and has been doing this for a long time. And I'm I'm so sorry, Nina. I'm the, the 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 name of her podcast is escaping me. If somebody types it in the chat, or Janet, if you know it, I don't, but I can try to look it up. Yeah, if you could, real quick. It's a it's a big podcast, or I'm sure somebody will pop it in the chat. And I know it. I just it, for some reason it just popped out of my head. But I I was talking to her about that, and I was like, I'm I'm just you know, she had reached out to me and just said, hey, anything I can do to help? And I'm like, man, I, I could really use some help. Just kind of knowing ethically, already gone. Already gone. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I yeah. The already gone podcast. Um, great podcast. Check it out. And, and I'm not just like saying that I somehow that slipped my mind, but I'm like, I don't know if I should, you know, if they're fleeing an abusive situation or this and that. And she had told, and at least our messaging. And, and again, we're going to get on, the, on a call and talk about it further. 
she had said that, you know, it's still worth covering those because from what she, because she works with like a lot of organizations that deal with missing, missing people. She said in most cases, that person is in a lot of danger. Like, like they end up in far more dangerous Mm -hmm. situations than they would be if they say you're, you're, you're better off to help them be found, which was, which is good. It, It kind of, because I, I, I've been, I've talked to a few people that have sent those cases in and they're like, we would like, please help us, let us come on. And I'm like, I don't know if I should because mm-hmm. I don't know why this person left. But so in any case, um, I'm very thankful for Nina helping me understand some of that stuff better. And, and we may be covering some of those cases, but also I may be, I may be, you know, as the intro has that stat at the beginning of it and, mm-hmm. and the voiceover, a few people have been like, you know, those numbers are kind of misleading. And I'm finding now as I'm doing more research, because if you look up the statistics, those are the statistics. You mm-hmm. know, like 600,000 people are reported missing, or children are reported missing, but also that number is not tied. There's a lot of nuance to it. So mm-hmm. I may be changing the intro because after like learning more and more, and this is a little bit of how the sausage is made, but that's kind of what we do. Uh, try to be very open and transparent with you guys. Uh, I'm just uncomfortable with that being kind of how we start the show. So that, that may be changing anyway. Okay. In any case, just want to let you guys know that, um, yeah, keep submitting those cases. That is a huge help to us. And, and don't shy away from a case where maybe, maybe someone had run away. You know, we'll, we'll vet those and look through them. And, uh, and also another thing I'm thinking, and I haven't done this yet. The ones that I have recorded already are interviews and there are plenty of families out there that are, that are desperately asking for help. But at the same time, somebody did ask last week, like, do, do you have to have a family willing to do an interview to do the case? And I'm thinking that I don't know what that circumstance would be, but I was thinking about that through this weekend. I think when that Carly Russell case came up, I thought, you know, this not they need more eyes looking for her. But I don't need to be in this moment right now where this family is desperately looking, asking them to come on a podcast and interview. Right. Um, So there may be instances where I may just talk about the details of the case, maybe maybe touch base with the family or whoever and say, are you okay with me covering this? And then uh, just talk about them without an interview. So. Um, still very dynamic. We're still figuring this thing out. Just wanted to let you guys know where where we're at. But I also like the idea of you focusing on things that everyone doesn't already know about. I mean, you mentioned that earlier, yeah. but you know, because- yeah, and that's a huge part of it for me yeah. is to shine a shine a light on cases where that people haven't heard of. It, you know, like Josh's case we just talked about in this. Like most people, if you weren't from that area, didn't know anything about it, and and it, it's a tragic case, and they need help. And and with that, I guess we should get into that so we can move right into the question hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I mean, I think that the question probably foremost in everyone's mind, knowing that we are recording this on Tuesday, July 7th, uh, July 18th, rather, um, is do you have information on how the search went since it was today? Yes, we had some listeners uh, uh, go to the search. Uh, we had we had a lot, unfortunately, because it was a weekday. Um, it was 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. I had a ton of people that messaged and said, I want to go, but I can't get off work. Uh, but we did have some listeners go. And uh, one listener in particular, Ed, thank you, Ed. I don't know where he's from, but he, he said he's from a few hours away, but he has a motorhome. And he actually contacted the raceway where they were meeting this morning for the search and asked if he could park there overnight. And he drove down yesterday, Monday, um, sound like a couple of hours uh, with his RV and stayed the night in the in the parking lot there at the raceway so that he could help with the search. That's today. awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. And um, that he was there to help. But he said that they had 132 searchers there. That's great. Um, some of those being our audience members. And they did the search and and it just didn't turn up anything. I, um, so I'm assuming that, so as you heard Christina say, they had dogs that were going out first in the morning. So obviously they didn't turn anything up. And in the search, uh, Ed said at one point someone found bones. And so they thought they had found something. Um, and it turned out they were animal bones and at the, when they concluded the search, uh, nothing, nothing had been found. Mm-hmm. That must be a devastating feeling to be on a search and come across, even, even being that they were just animal, just the, the idea yeah. that you came across. I mean, do you know you're out looking for something and to stumble across that? It reminds me a lot. I kind of had like almost a flashback when I was, when, when Ed messaged me to when I was a fireman and we would go into a house where you thought maybe someone was home and you would, you know, it's... Fires aren't like on like you see on TV. You can't see anything. It's pitch black, like there's black smoke. You can't see your hand in front of your face. You're relying on feeling to get through a house. And it was and it was it's a weird feeling where when you're searching a house for a victim inside and you're feeling around, there's like part of you, you know your job is to try to find a person that's in there to get them out. But at the same time, every single time you reach your hand out, you're just praying that you don't find a person on the other end of that sure. it's, it's a and it's, a, it's kind of that same sentiment of what yeah. you're talking about when you're on a search like you you desperately want to find them but at the same time you're terrified that you're going to find something and so um a huge shout out to everyone our audience and not i know that that, that christina and josh's family have been sharing our show with as many people as will listen to it and, and a lot of those people were there at the search so just a huge shout out to all of you guys who went through that because it's not as easy it's not just walking around there's a lot of emotions and things to unpack when you're going through something like that. And along those lines, a few people had messaged me and they're like, well, I don't know what we're doing here. This sounds just like there there are people who think that the circumstances of this case sound like, well, it's just going to be a recovery. They think by now, if he hasn't been found that he may be deceased. And I just want to explain it because that may be the case in a lot of the cases that we cover. And that may be true. Like there may, there may be a very good possibility that, that Josh hasn't made it. And you heard Christina kind of touch on that. But what you have to understand is for these families, like 
that's that's better than where the world they're living in right now when they just don't know what happened to their loved ones so if 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 our efforts can help them even if it's defined in any of these cases to find the body of their loved ones and they are deceased i hate to say closure because i don't even know that that's a thing yeah but it's it's an answer some kind of answer, even if you don't yeah, know why. It, it's not living in the limbo of not knowing. Not knowing if you're if you should start the grieving process or if you should still be hanging on to hope. Uh so that's a that's a really big part of this. So you know, I, I, I don't think at all that anybody should be shying away from any case or think that we're not helping because the person you know, the, the person may be deceased, uh, because the those families are still just desperately searching for answers. Uh, Kim W says for this new format, are we just trying to find the people or find the missing person? Or are we also thinking about what could have happened to them? I think both. Um, again, that's another thing that we're kind of learning, but you know, on, on our, our Facebook page, on the fan page, you know, there were a lot of people, with a lot of good questions. There was a lot of people that were, were like providing information. Like I see Susan is in the, in the chat here and she's one that was in Facebook who she's familiar with the area. And so she was providing context to the like one thing that I don't think it didn't come up in the episode, but in, and that's why we do these follow ups still too is to be able to provide more context and information. I kind of assume because you know I've been to East St. Louis and I know that that I'm like well everybody knows but not everybody knows East St. Louis is is a pretty dangerous place. I'm sure I, and and I don't mean it like if you live there I'm sure there are good parts of it, but. There are also part like like I believe there were statistics where it's like one of the most dangerous places in America. One you know some year recently, hmm. um, there's a lot of violent crime that happens there. So it, w- it was it was a very dangerous place where where statistically where Josh was kind of wandering around and and Susan was one of the people that kind of pointed that out because she knows she knows the area a little bit. Uh, Tara says, and this is kind of more of a logistical how are we tracking stuff question, but. Tara says, I see a case uh, case docs file is up on the website for the new season. Just wondering if more information will be posted there as the season continues. Looking for details on what areas have already been searched and leads that have been followed up on. Is this information readily available? Or perhaps this isn't released to the public if it's an ongoing police investigation. Yeah. We're, so what I put like for Josh's case, so if you if you the way I'm going to organize it is if you go to season 13 in the case docs, there's a folder for Illinois. And then if you open the Illinois folder, there's a folder for Josh Amos. And and that may be the only case from Illinois. But I did it that way so that if we end up covering another case that's from Illinois, that we can put it there and it's easy to find stuff. But I shared all the stuff that Christina shared with me to put out there. As we get, if there's more information that we get, uh, I will also put it out up there. The case that we're going to be covering on this Sunday um, that one has a little bit more. Uh, there are there are some maps and there are some police reports and things like that because it's it's a much more complex case than than Josh's. So you know we'll put out what we ha- what we ha- we have available to us and that may be helpful. Uh, but kind of going back to the original question, like so yeah, so some of the things the conversations are happening are just providing more context. People saying yes, I can go help, or is there another way I might be able to help? There was a lot. There was a ton of people that. That said, you know, hey, I can't go to the search, but I live in that area. So I'm sharing this on all my personal social media. Like that's a huge help. But then there are other people that are like, we're kind of like having conversations talking about what may have happened. And I think, I think that's okay too within our private group to have those conversations. And maybe it sparks, you know, that's kind of what we've always done is kind of work together. And that's another area where someone who maybe doesn't live geographically close 
can still participate in the in those conversations and maybe something comes out of that maybe a, a, a an idea of of a new place to search or a new way to search like something something just i thought of i have so most of you guys probably know like i'm kind of an outdoorsman i i i and i and i summertime is fishing time for me and i have some electronics on my boat like they're not just the old school fish finders but like zach seen them when we got yeah. on fishing and i was thinking um in one of the cases that we have coming up they use like underwater drones to try to find someone but that's that's relying i believe on like cameras and if the water's murky it's very difficult to see i know from being a rescue diver in my previous life it's really hard to see in murky water but there are electronics where maybe if you're just a fisherman if you have something called side imaging or or mega live or mega 360 something these are like even in murky water where you could take a fishing boat in an area and graph out, almost draw a picture of what the bottom looks like to help. So the, so maybe not in this case, but in other cases, that's something that may be useful. So just be thinking, but, but those are the t- examples of just conversations that could happen, uh, trying to think outside the box, putting new eyes, ears, and minds on these cases, I think, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll make some breaks and help to find people if we have new ideas. Well, I, I don't think, I think in this case, you could still do it. I, I, I have concerns about him ending up in the river. Yeah. The river's not far. I mean, I, that's not the ending we would want to this, but I have concerns that he ended up in that river and, and, and it, something like that, a fisherman with side imaging. I mean, if we could find something or go look at least. Yeah. And there, uh, in, in Brian in the chat just asked, is there a lake or river? But yeah, there's a river there. Susan had pointed out where he was at particularly, particularly wasn't really close or adjacent to the river. But th- we don't know how far he walked. We don't know because, you know, there, there is definitely a, a big river right there. My brain's telling me that's the Mississippi River. but I'm, It is. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I almost sounded real dumb there for a second. But there's, you know, there's that big river there. So, yeah, I mean, that may be something where, you, you know, maybe somebody might think, well, you know, I don't have anything to help drag or search a river. But there's, there's the technology out there on boats, like little fishing boats like mine uh, that I think could be, could be really helpful. Uh, just to put a little more context in, Susan in the chat says, um, because of the convergence of the rail yards and highways, the area is difficult to travel on foot. It's only moderately populated, sparse residential, mostly industrial, up where he was last seen. Thank you. That's that's good because I, I, I I've been looking at maps for the last couple of days trying to understand where he was at, but not knowing the area, that's very difficult to get a grasp on. Thank you, Susan. Uh, Teresa says, is there a photo of him with longer hair and or facial hair? It's possible his appearance might differ. No, that's actually something after we got off the air when I was talking to Christina, uh, she said they were trying to find someone that could do like age progression because she thought she thought the same thing that, you know, if, if, if he, if he's alive and he's out there somewhere that, you know, it's been four months. So his beard would be longer. His hair would be longer. And that, so that's something that they were looking into doing, but they haven't found anybody that was able to do it yet. Is there, um, well, we'll get to that. Uh, I'm going to read Nick's, uh, Nick's now. Will you be joining any of the searches for the season? It seems like East St. Louis would have been a great opportunity to report on site since it's also Midwest. Haven't you sometimes done on site videos to help listeners understand the geo context in past seasons? Yeah, I actually struggled with this one a little bit because so East St. Louis is not close to me, but it's about a five and a half hour drive. And I, I actually was trying to make some arrangements to see if I could go down and participate in the search. And unfortunately, it wouldn't because I would have had to gone last night and it's just it's tying in with my wife and daughter 
traveling for a volleyball tournament and my 12 year old son's home with me this week. And it was, it just didn't work out for me, but like it, had this search been going on next week, I probably would have went. Yes. Lauren says, have you considered reaching out to law enforcement? I'm sure the typical response would be that they cannot comment on ongoing investigations, but perhaps they might surprise you. Yeah, I actually did reach out to law. One of the cases I haven't figured out if we're going to be able to cover it yet. And it may be one where I might just just do the episode without an interview. That's the one I mentioned where I had talked to the, um, uh, what's the name of it? Missing in Black. Black and, and missing, black missing. I think Black and Missing. Um, I spoke with them. Uh, I was having a hard time getting hold of any family members. I spoke with them. I'm still waiting to hear back from them to, uh, about doing an interview. I called the police department and actually spoke with one of the detectives. It was very nice. Talked to him for just a couple of minutes. But he said, I can't really do an interview without – I have. you have to go through the PR department. So I sent an email off to them, and I'm waiting to hear back from them. So, yeah, absolutely. If there's law enforcement that's willing to talk, then then certainly I'm willing to have them on. On the flip side of that, Teresa says, is there a reward being offered for any information? Perhaps local folks might be more inclined. Someone commented there isn't a strong relationship among the community and police. I think there is a reward. I think I retweeted. I think I found something on Twitter when I was looking to see like how. Oh, that's right. I did see that because I I retweeted your tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Look on look on Janet's Twitter. Or mine or the, or the shows. Because when Janet found that, I, I just remember that. You're right. There, there is a, a $10,000 reward. There we okay. go. Okay, yeah. Okay. Lauren says, do you know if anyone searched the Missouri side of the river, like downtown St. Louis, North City, or South City, right when the cross, right when the cross the river into Missouri, the highway splits into four different flyers? Our, hmm, sorry. I'm so sorry. There are a few typos in here that I didn't notice when I was copying, copying and pasting in here. Um the St. Louis, Missouri police, could they have flyers um, with a soccer team and Cardinals or a lot of people downtown on home game nights might be beneficial to hand out flyers at home games. Don't know if this is allowed. Uh, I, I don't know if there's been any search on the other side of the river uh, in St. Louis, but that's something I will talk to Christina about. Um, I don't want to I don't want to reach out to her today because the search and everything was going on today. But uh, in a couple of days, I'll message her if they haven't tried that. Um, that's a good idea. And I'll mention that maybe go over to that side of the of the river and pass out flyers over there. And Susan P. also mentioned the idea of handing out flyers or talking to people who take the train from the station around there. Um, and on a Sunday morning, maybe there would be people who notice something. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd read that one. And she said that it was a good point that, you know, there may be people that regularly take mm-hmm. that train around that time every Sunday morning. So maybe if we go to the train station around 7 a.m. on a Sunday and pass out flyers to those people, that might be helpful. That's another thing that I'll pass along. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Elizabeth said Marsha Baker asked about using drones. Do drones with IR or whatever sees body heat exist? They do. There, there are thermal imaging drones out there. I don't know. I don't know how useful that would be in this. I, th- I think they have searched with some drones. I'm, I'm mixing up because I've, I've covered a couple cases. I, she did. Week. She did say that they search with drones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember because I've talked to three different people this week. Um, but weren't sure what kind of drone. I think the question is what kind of drones were they? Uh, but she's asking about like th- the thermal imaging drones, which those are useful. I've seen them used. If someone is like, say, in the woods, I've actually seen law enforcement use it when somebody's like fleeing from them in the woods where, you know, they, they can go over and they could pick up the heat signature of the body moving through the woods. I don't know how, because this is, this is an urban area. So there's going to be heat signatures all over the place as opposed to like if you're in a huge wooded area where, you know, it's the, the way they work. It's just like the thermal imaging cameras we use at the fire department is, you know, the screen looks basically black and anything that's, that's hot, the hotter something is, the whiter it is. So if you go over like the woods, it would just look like a huge black, and then there'd be a white blip that's moving through the woods, and you can find it. But in this case, it's you know there's tons of heat signatures that are going to be in an urban area, and if and if it is in fact a recovery effort, it wouldn't help at all because there would be no heat signature. Okay, I want to get into um, behavior a little bit, and I also want to commend those of you who are asking questions that could be vital to information about how this could have happened or what the circumstances might have been, but also trying to be respectful of the situation and the families. And it's that's a little bit of a tight wire, you know, walking on this one. Um, but the first question uh, I'll ask from Kim W. is, was it normal for him to be out so late? Just wondering if that was normal behavior for him or if that was something that deviates from his normal patterns. I think there was a lot new going on, his li- on in his life. From like as you know, talking to Christina both on the podcast and off the podcast, you know he had you know he was recently separated from I don't remember if it was his wife or just the I think it was his wife I think they they were married and they they had split up, um, but the the mother of his children and then he had he had moved and he got a new job and he had new friends so like he had only been at that job for three weeks so and he was hanging out with people from that work. I didn't get the impression that it sounded like when he was, you know, when him and his ex were still together, there was, he was a family man. He was home. You go to work, you come home, he's home with the wife and kids. I can tell you for me, like when I got divorced when I was 30 years old, you know, all of a sudden it's a weird thing because now half the time you have your kid, but then the other half of the time you're by yourself. And it's like a, it's, it's a new time in your life to be like, well, what do I do with my time now? I'm used to my, you know, evenings are, Wife and kids at the dinner table and helping with homework and, 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 you know, doing all these things. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now half the time I'm, I'm by myself. Mm. And so you find ways to fill the time. So I don't know that I didn't get the impression it was a normal thing, but it may be normal for him. 
for for his new normal, I mm. guess. I and I don't know that for sure, but what I know is like everything in his life was new for the three weeks leading up to this. So whether he was hanging out with this group and they were going out drinking every Saturday night till five in the morning, I don't know. I also had some people that were from the area who said like that part of East St. Louis, like to be out until the early hours of the morning like that is not like, I don't remember how they put it, but essentially was like, yeah, if you, if you, if you were going to go out late at the bars and, you know, it's till morning time, like that's where you would go and, uh, in Washington Park, which is east of East St. Louis, that that area is known for that type of thing. It, yeah. it makes me wonder if there was any other substances used too in that that night to be up partying that long. That's certainly a question a lot of people had as well: recreational drug mm-hmm. use. If there was any open air drug markets in the area. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know the answer to uh, to those questions. Annie says, "How and why did he get separated from his companions? Was he acting in any way odd when they saw him last?" It sounded to me like it was just because, you know, everything got chaotic and it was an abrupt ending. So remember, said there, there was a fight in the club and it sounded like there's a fight going on in the club and they pretty much cleared the club and kicked everybody out and called the police. So if you take, you know, say there's a hundred patrons in there and all of a sudden they, you know, they're throwing everybody out into the street. I don't think it was like a conscious decision to leave to get away from his friends. The way I understood it. In the way from the way the videos were described to me, it was, you know, they all just kind of got shoved out and they got separated and he just where he ended up outside. He wasn't by the friends and it sounds like he was disoriented. You know, he could have been drunk. We don't know if there was any drugs involved, um, but he was certainly tired and had been drinking and just was lost. Just wanted, He was outside, didn't know where his friends were, and he was just trying to find a way home and just started walking. I don't I don't get the impression. That it was a conscious decision to leave the friends. Okay. Well, Nancy, just to follow up on that, said, uh, do we have any explanation on why he he didn't have his phone, how it was at the friend's house, and why he didn't have a coat? No, I don't know. I mean, I I could see the no coat thing just because, you know, I've certainly done that in my younger years if I was going out with him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have, uh, it's kind of a funny story with a friend of mine from the fire department who we, we ended up stuck in the in the middle of nowhere and a road that wasn't a road up in northern michigan in a snowstorm with nothing but t-shirts on uh because we were gonna on a fishing trip we decided to take the evening and go to the bar and we thought we don't want to lug around these big coats and take them inside and sure. mess with them so we went in just t-shirts and t- which turned out to be a terrible idea uh the, the the phone i don't know and it all comes down to kind of behavior was that normal for him to just leave his phone and not deal with it the fact that he was going to a dance club like that um, could be, you know, shoot. Nowadays, everybody has, lo- you know, some location services and Life 360 and different people who can tell what maybe didn't want anybody to know where his, you know, like my ex, we've been divorced for, for over, a, I've been married to Becky for a decade, uh, but we are on the same Life 360 account because we both track our kid. And if anybody that uses that app, you know, if you're on it, you can see each other. So we, it's a, such a weird mix of the kids, Becky and I, and my ex and her husband are all on the same. We can all see where everybody's at, you know, so it could have been something like that where we're like, well, I don't want anybody to know I'm going to the strip club. So I'm just going to leave my phone here. Maybe he just generally doesn't carry his phone with him. I, I don't know. But, it, but I want to, I want to point out that there's nothing about these are all great questions but there's nothing about this case to me that indicates that he was like trying to get away mm-hmm. from you know what i mean so like 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 the leaving the phone there it's not like well he left it there 
so that he could escape and nobody could track him. You know, remember with the, with the bus driver, the one person he had contact with after he, le- after he left the club was the bus driver who said he was telling he was just trying to get home to Granite City. He was trying to find his way home. He wasn't trying to get away. He was trying to get home. So doing some like reading on it, and I, this is possibly way off in left field. I don't know. But doing some reading, there's a few articles that mention that he's possibly bipolar. Do we know if he is bipolar? I mean, it didn't seem like the mother mentioned that, but I, there's some multiple articles that kind of bring up that he's bipolar. I've, I've seen one, uh, and there, I think Janet has that question that somebody had, had uh, a listener posted that too, because in the article, I believe it says that his family was, his family was quoted as saying that he was bipolar and that maybe he had had some drug problems in the past. I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. When I saw that question and saw the articles was today and, um, I was going to reach out to Christina to ask those questions. But again, today was the day of the search. Right. And so it was like, I wasn't going to contact her today to ask. So if I, if I find out that information, I'll ask about it. But again, it kind of comes, a lot of this is very important information. It's good to know. But again, it very much seems like the circumstances in this case were that he was tired, at least drunk and disoriented. And also cold, like, I mean, it doesn't take very long, and I think it was actually 23 degrees at that time in the morning that day. It doesn't take that long in those temperatures to become hypothermic, and that starts to affect your cognitive ability. So you have all of those things working against him, but the one thing that he was broadcasting to the bus driver again was that he wanted to go home. He's right. trying to get to Granite, and she knew home was Granite City, you know, so she, we know that conversation happened, that he wanted to get home to Granite City. That's all I have from the um, Facebook posts. Okay. Well, unless either of you guys have anything else, or if there's anybody in the chat that has a, has a burning question, I think we can go ahead and wrap this thing up for now. Totally off topic. I brought it up last week, but we finally have a date. My episode of the JV Club came out yesterday. So Thursday. Thursday. Got, yeah. Yep. So when this airs Friday, when you're hearing this yesterday, Zach is on Janet's other podcast, the JV Club. That's right. And he answers some burning questions like me saying, hey, how do you get good at being tattooing? If, it, if, you, if you being a tattoo artist, if you start out bad, who are you tattooing? That was a very it was an enjoyable conversation. conversation without Renter over here. Mm-hmm, without me without interrupting. Uh, I do want to, on a serious note, I do want to uh, touch base about this Sunday's episode. I'll tell you this. I was in tears a few times today editing the episode. Damn it, I'm going to be a mess. Yeah, yeah it's a rough one. But I was editing the conversation that I had uh, a few days ago with this individual. Incredibly interesting, incredibly heartbreaking case. And this person is is still missing. And, it, and I don't want to give too much away about it until Sunday. But uh, it's an area that we're all very familiar with and an agency that we're all very familiar with. And it is a tragic, well... Listen on Sunday. We'll talk about it more in the follow-up, but definitely listen to it. It's a very interesting interview, um, and it'll be a little different format because the person I was interviewing, I literally said, tell me about your loved one, and she started talking, and which will be shocking. This will be shocking to a lot of you. She spoke for over an hour without me saying a single word, So, uh, and, and goes through the whole case. But so in this one at the beginning, I'm going to break down the case first so you guys know what she's talking about with some of the stuff that uh, she has on there. So anyway, make sure you tune into that on Sunday. And with that, I think we can end this week's Friday follow up. 
Thanks, guys, and listeners, we love you all. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com Design Created manages and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnick, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth, Janet can be found at Janet Barney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.